The following podcast gimmick has been paid for by Look at the Adjective. Well, there's trouble in paradise. Hello and welcome to Look at the Adjective. We aren't here to podcast. Yeah, promise. Honestly. (laughs) Every time. Every time. (laughs) And then everyone turns off after this. What's that all about? Bloody hell. Audio gold here, guys. I am the big man, John Mack, and I'm always, as always, joined by the medium-sized man, the bad guy, Chico. Me and Mark Crowther, how are you doing, son? Nice head, man. Nah, not bad. Yeah, just uh, just ready for some more nitro. Uh, you know, one of the best times of the week. And fun, sometimes it gets sweaty, so you got to wear a headband. <laughs> He's been doing his Eric Pride's Call On Me, Call On Me video workout today, I think. <laughs> so, as always, we're going to take you down that uh, idiot paved path, Cretin Road, down the Cretinous cul-de-sac to the world of Cretinville. This week, this week's going to be a bit different, as was sort of last week. It's um, it's been a, a, an action-packed week, as I'm sure you're all aware. If you follow the world of pro wrestling, if anybody else has done anything else, it's been trumped. I'm afraid yeah. we haven't noticed it because our Twitter feeds have been inundated with New all reports. elite cretin it, all elite <laughs> cretininity. What can I say? All elite <laughs> cretininity. Um, <laughs> Is that the new segment so, for this? <laughs> well, it is at the moment. Fucking hell, fire. <laughs> From all angles, it's coming at the moment. Nobody's looking good at the moment, are they, in this at all? No, it's... Um, I think I think you can you can, you can can pick sides, can't you, either way, but either way, both both of them are looking a bit, a bit daft, a bit silly, a bit pathetic at times as well, but, you know, it's a, it's a shit show, isn't it, really? It is. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it all lays on the shoulders of one man, and that man is uh, Mr. Tony Khan. He wanted everyone to be mates. He yeah. wanted everyone to get along, and he wanted to be mates with everybody. And I think it's bitten him on the jacksy, as we say. Yeah, especially in a vo- volatile business like professional wrestling. <laughs> exactly. Let's all keep these egos in check by just being everyone's mate and letting everyone do what they want. And, you know, no egos are going to come to the forefront. Nah, not at all. <laughs> Sadly, Tony, we don't live in My Little Pony Magicland, and uh, <laughs> this shit happens, and yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, we discussed it briefly it... last week, didn't we? But there wasn't enough, wasn't enough out there, and, and since that, sort of more and more's come out from the sort of the aftermath of all that. And it, it from from what I can gather, it you know, last week I was a little bit apprehensive about whether was it a work, is it an elaborate sort of shoot thing, and doesn't look like it to me anymore after all what's been coming out oh it's all going off it's all yeah. kicking off started by uh mr page with his with his quote-unquote shoot promo that nobody knew about it was uh, shit anyway. yeah it wasn't the best was it apparently fed upon by uh the books and omega who have been you know leaking all sorts of bollocks to to their good friends at the observer and wherever <laughs> And then uh, Mr. Punk probably doing what I do because I, I don't. I'd rather you just call me a cunt to my face. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he's had enough. He's had enough, and he's called it out, which uh, Mr. Meltzer said was a rehearsed speech. Apparently, that he was 
in in sort of in on in on it with the the first guy that he spoke to who talked about improv with Coke Cabana. I mean, right? It's a it's rehearsed as in oh, he knew he was going to do it. Well, yeah, but it's like so are all the young books Omega five star matches, aren't they rehearsed? Do you know what I mean? Isn't yeah. everything in this day and age in professionally professionally professional wrestling rehearsed? I mean, I think he knew he was going to say something, but when he walked in, the guy said to it, the woman said, "It's you first sort of thing." Blah blah blah, and mm. then he just sort of went on him because I think he thought he was mates with Colt Cabana, and I think that was how he was going to get. That was his in, wasn't it? Yeah, and then he said he he, he wasn't. And he just went, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to go for it anyway. <laughs> he, did look, he did look slightly stupid when he said that, but he just sort of ran, brushed it off. <laughs> yeah, doubled down, I'm on this train, we're on it, let's go. Yeah, but, I mean, we discussed yeah. all like what he'd said in the in the, the media scrum, didn't we? But then there was all these reports of the fights backstage. It's hard to put any sort of credibility on either one's report because there's, there's, there's stuff that says otherwise and it's, it's all hearsay, really. People saying that they... That the books kicked down the Punk's door and all this, and uh, I, to believe. I don't know about that. You never know, though. I, it just it just depends. And apparently, you know, Punk was in there with I think it was Ace Steel and his wife. I think was it was that right? Uh, again, and the dog and Larry the dog, <laughs> poor dog. Um, I wouldn't have said they kicked it down. I reckon they probably burst in angrily, or they super kicked it. <laughs> I've seen them super kicks. There's about four feet of fucking air between the object and their foot. Either way, thi- do you reckon they thigh slapped when they did it? <laughs> I mean, needed to to make it look real. Either way, no one's coming off this looking good, are they? Let's be honest. Even no even... apologies if you can hear that because there's a plane going overhead as we speak. So <laughs> just explaining any any noise in the background. Um, no, no one's looking good because punk. Punk had to expect a reaction. He had to, and he did say in his thing, you know, if you've got an issue with me, come and see me. However, if there's three three people and three on two and or whatever, because like if even if A Steel was there, it's still three on two, regardless of whether these three are, are the, not the most elite fighting machine, calling themselves elite or not. They're not exactly, you know, fucking, <laughs> it's not like John Jones, George St. Pierre, and fucking, you know. <laughs> Conor McGregor have walked in already to tear you <laughs> apart, is it? And then chinning one of the young bucks and tearing your bicep, or did he tear his bicep in the match? Apparently, he did it in the match. But again, well, it's, again, it's loads of people have said it happened in the fight as well. Whether that, whether they're just saying he ha- it happened in the match to sort of protect it a bit, I don't know. Again, it's co- it, it's it's conflicting reports, but either way, he's out for seven, eight months or something, <laughs> possibly I, I, I for the rest of his career as well in wrestling. <laughs> I, I can't imagine him coming. Well, I, you never know. After eight months, the, the dust might have settled, and obviously, the three tits, the three other tits, have put out feelers to the WWE, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, you know, apparently. they'll be they'll be they'll be top of the card there. You said he's, fuck, I don't know. I mean, is that is that them just sort of trying to go to can't Tony? Look, you know, you could lose us here. Do you know what I mean? One of them. That's one of them. Yeah, that's a contract thing, isn't it? Not exactly a fucking big draw, though, are they? It's like losing. You know, well, maybe it's a bit more. They're not short spares, but uh, they're not. But like Kenny Omega, sort of is. So it's like, would he worry if I lose them too? I'm going to lose Kenny as well. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to work, lose the guy that works for the guy that draws the money, right? Well, to, if it was up to me, I'd be telling those guys to. I'd be showing them where the door is, but yeah, doesn't really. It's all, all started, aren't they? With the fucking, it's like just instead of just fucking 
saying you've got a problem and it's like it's like it's like abuse of power because at the end of the day they they've got a title they've got a title in that company you know mm-hmm. punking people like that they're not gonna fucking use that title to sort of threaten them because mm. he couldn't give a shit he couldn't give a shit about the biggest company in the fucking world he's not gonna give a shit about this fucking temper organization that can only beat their fucking developmental do you know what i mean it's like he's just gonna go well i'll fuck off then it don't matter not bothered I'm, you're not gonna you're I not gonna bully me with a title yeah but they try to bully people from what you can gather like with like oh don't do this it's like that that meeting they had in fucking amigas like just being an absolute cunt with everybody oh, i wouldn't hurt higher eight out of fucking ten of you or some shit so i don't get i don't get from what like the reports that come out how anyone can look at Look at it and go. I'd rather be in the camp of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I can't. I can't get my head around it. I know Punk is a prickly bastard, and I'm sure people get the wrong end of the stick with him, or he can be a prick to some people. But if you're on, if I think, I think he's one of them. If you if you showed him all the respect and the love that he sort of wants, then he'll do anything for you. Like I've heard reports of him, like. Like FTR have said it like Will Hobbs is like he's done. To be fair, he's he's an absolute like upstart in the business, isn't he? Punk's yeah. took like hours out of his day to watch his matches and stuff like that, and provide him with feedback and stuff like that. So it's like I'm, I I lean to think that he is more helpful to that company than the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are. I think so, but it's a case of it's 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 always been a case of we want to do what we want to do for big money, and what they do isn't big money. Do you know what mm. I mean? Whereas, like, whether you love punk or you hate punk, all he, all that guy's trying to do, whether, whether, he, whether he went about it the money. right way, he was trying to make money, he was trying to grow the company, he was trying to make trying to make it more mainstream and be a viable commodity and, and you know, maybe even, you know, challenge, seriously challenge WWE in the grand scheme of it, whereas they just want to do their own fucking stupid bullshit. And whether, whether that has, right, yeah, it has an audience, but it's not over a million audience, is it? It's... It, CM no. Punk will draw you over a million. Brian, when they've got stars coming in that don't want to work like they do, they take umbrage of it and try and fucking, you know, do the bullshit. All he was trying to, he, he, he was he was airing a grievance, which he had. Probably not the best way to do it, but why have these fucking stupid media scrums anyway? They are pointless. Yeah, shoot. We were talking about it the other day, weren't we? Just, just while well, we were, you know, we went out for a few drinks and that and just it came up in conversation. It's just... Why do these like these press conferences? That they just don't make sense. They completely bury what you're trying to produce, and it just it just it just creates a, a forum to have these types of things that can happen. It's just there's just no need for them. I don't get why they do them. It's not a real sport. So like, why are we having these questions being asked? I know I'm, I'm not trying to, but then they're doing it in reality. They're doing the press conferences in reality. So you just and they're going to talk. They're talking babyface, talking about heels. They're talking about who's going over. It's like what? What the fuck are we doing here? Like I know, I know, kayfabe is long gone in this business, and it hasn't been a thing for bloody god knows how long. But let's try and protect it somewhat instead of just slapping it in people's faces and sticking it on YouTube. It makes no sense. They do it because it gives their little audience, the observer readers, and Meltzer especially a chubby because he's made a career out of exposing the fucking business, right? It just, it just, it just makes no sense. They do six-hour fucking pay-per-views or whatever it is, and then every cunt's fucking knackered, and then you've got to get them in front of fucking. I think that real I've, journalists. I don't think that'd have helped as well. What we talk, it's probably like one in the morning at that point when it, when a sticking punk in a match, and how old is he now? Forty odd. You know, he's, he's going to be knackered after a 30-minute 30, 30 match. 
Exactly. And it's always going to like exacerbate things, isn't it? Especially when he's got genuine anger towards people backstage. And it's not like you're sticking him in front of the sports reporter for the New York Times. He's, he's sticking him in front of fucking Alvarez and Meltzer, the two fucking weasels who had nothing to say to him there and have had plenty to fucking say after. Yeah, they can't show up now, can they? Yeah, you had the guy in front of you. He asked, he spoke to you directly. All Alvarez did was backtrack, and Meltzer just went, huh? Do you know yeah. what I mean? When he asked him, what have I done, Dave? But now he's firmly on the fucking other on side, isn't he? Well, he's firmly he's on, on the shelf for eight months, side. isn't he? So no, they, I mean, Meltzer's firmly, on, firmly oh, on, God, the, yeah. on the books and that side. But when he was given the opportunity saying, what have I done to deserve him to go into business for himself? He said nothing. Dick all from Meltzer. Yeah. And this yeah, is what I mean. He's, them two are complete fucking weasels. They're like, they're just they're just cancerous to the to, to rest of them too, I think. Especially Meltzer. Like, they just created these lesions of, like, fans that, like... Like, I, I get I get Punk's not everyone's cup of tea and he rubs people up the wrong way, but he's been absolutely made out to be the complete and utter villain in this whole piece. Whereas yeah, yes. he, he didn't start it. And no. I'm probably biased because I love CM Punk and I've loved him since I was fucking 12 years old or whatever. I love the guy. But I, I, the way I see it is, nobody had a better selection of feuds or matches than him in the last year in AW. Maybe. Well, that that was the one that, that was the tickle. That, that, that one tickled me completely. Fucking, uh, what are you on about? Done nothing in the business. Adam Page drew, drew the fucking pay per view house with. Is he fuck it? Was him and M? It was Punk and MJF. I'm yeah. sorry, but it was. No one was paying for that pay per view to watch him and Adam Cole, were they? Do you know what I mean? I like Adam Cole. I used to. I used to have a lot of time for Adam Page as well, but no one was buying the pay per view for that, were they? Not no, a fucking nobody chance. has. No one's yeah. ever bought a pay per view on the on the strength of them two fighting. I'm sorry, yeah. they haven't. Maybe maybe Ring of Honor, but MJF you know, and Punk not... was the best feud in wrestling last year. Or this not last top year, fucking stars. I don't call them Adam Page. I don't care what anybody says. They were. They might have been stars. Previously, in terms of like in NXT, like Cole was a star in NXT, but he's never been a star, big time star, has he? Not mainstream. And Paige is just fucking turd. <laughs> he really is. He's the, uh, why, why they put the belt on him? Yeah, I get why they put the belt on him. We're trying to elevate a homegrown guy, quote unquote, even though he's not really homegrown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but it just fell flat out of the which is turd. It was that longer, long term booking thing, wasn't it? But that. The, the the punk all you had to give punk and MGF was three four months and they had a better feud than Omega and fucking Page did for two years. That was must watch TV. It was must watch TV. All this nuance and subtlety, you know. Are they going to be friends now? And it's like who gives a fuck? It was a weak <laughs> start. It was a weak storyline though, wasn't it? And yeah. it's like there was no hatred to it. It's just like you don't want to be my friend anymore. Oh no. So, <laughs> Whereas Punk and MJF was hot as hell. That was like the it best. Heated. It yeah. was personal. Yeah, and they, and they, and they took it to a level that you hadn't seen really. Because I, I was, we were talking about feuds and stuff like that, weren't we? A few months ago. I mean, th- um, that was very recent, but that was up there in conversation for us as sort of best feuds we've seen, possibly ever. Maybe not. Maybe not number one or definitely anything. In but the, in definitely back- in the last ten years. Yeah, easily. Mm. It was quality. You didn't need to put a world title on it or anything like that either. The only feuds that I've seen recently that I've actually had heat and got people going were Punk MJF, MJF Wardlow and the Briscoes and the fucking FTR because there was there was heat there. It wasn't just like, oh, I don't like you anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. Or whatever. You don't want to play with me anymore. 
Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It's just it's just schoolyard shit. And like the way the way they wrestle just reminds me of just schoolyard crap. It's like all our me and all our friends. Do you know what they're trying to be? They're trying to be the fucking click. Mm. You know, backstage politicians and that shit don't fly in this day and age. It's it's too open. It's too you know, you could get away with it in the nineties. And I mean it was bollocks in the nineties, but you could get away with it more. There wasn't social media, there wasn't everything. Yeah, I, fucking... I think they're getting an easy ride for this whole story as well though. Yeah, of course yeah. Because because it's free versus you know because because punk you know he doesn't have that connection with the journalists or anything like that or or nor does he want to why would you but no, because wouldn't. because they've got the the speed down to Meltzer to Alvarez to whoever the fuck else all those freaks they're they're being they're being they're being sort of positioned as the good guys in the whole situation whereas they've been they would they were sort of poking the bear for months and Tony Khan was sat there just going oh no it'll blow over it'll blow over and. <laughs> it didn't, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, it didn't. And he needed to do something. And it's 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 been it's been going on for months. Clearly, clearly, Punk has has discussed this with him personally. You know, he must, he have, must done. have done. He'd There's so. no way. And just fucking Omega's a weird guy, anyway. And it's like they all act like children. It's like so and so's done this. Don't tell anyone. But you know, so and so's done this, and then it's like. Oh, so so's done this and pass it on, kind of thing. And it's like, fuck me, just go up to him and just say, listen, I think you've been a dick. Let's sit down and talk talk this out. You know, the fight shouldn't have happened. They should have probably sat down and talked it out. The press conference yeah. should have shouldn't have happened, but there's got to be a reason that press con- conference happened in terms of he's he's got to have said something to Tony and said, Look, can we sort this shit out? And neither they didn't want to, or Tony's just, you know, brushed it under the carpet, kind of thing. I'm thinking it could it, be that where he said, Look, let, let's just <laughs> Let it blow over, but you can't do that. There's too many moving parts in wrestling, especially when you've got these guys who are, you know, vice executive vice presidents. They've they're gonna they've got that over in self importance, haven't they? So it was always gonna blow up eventually. They've got the, the ironic thing is they were desperate and they needed that because they wanted they needed the pull because they knew they didn't really have the pull and they got every fucking one of their little gimpy moron mates. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. And that's how they got the pull, and now it's like it's one big thing, and then you've sort of got like Moxley and Danielson and the Combat Club just sort of like. I think Moxley comes out of this better than most people. Well, no, that's he's... what I'm trying to say. I think I think it's more like the people who've got a bit of experience in in the big leagues, kind of thing. Your John Moxley, your Danielson, your Jericho's. As much as I think Jericho's a penis at the moment, it's like <laughs> the way I see it is you've got you've got your little young bucks fucking PWG crowd. And then you've got sort of Moxley who just wants, just likes to fucking bleed and have hardcore death matches. He's not asked in the politics. He just wants to do what he does. Danielson's just, you know, a nice guy and wants everyone to get along. And then you've probably got Jericho who's just trying to, he just wants the kids to think he's cool probably. And it's, do you know what I mean? But then you've got two very distinct sort of other sides, haven't you? It's been reported that they've sort of, those three guys in particular have sort of tried to sort of, Put a stop to all this shit, haven't they? Jericho was saying in the, the scrum that we need to stop leaking stuff. We need to keep everything in house. <laughs> that didn't last very long, but I'd imagine it can't. There has to have been some backstage stuff, and, and there was those chatters where Tony Khan was saying to people, "Look, let's not mention stuff on TV, here, especially with MJF and Max Caster." So, yeah, but if you've got like Jer- Jericho, Danielson, Moxley, then we need to stop leaking stuff to the press. That same directly at the fucking other four, like hmm. the, the elite elite camp, right? And it's like, yeah, because CM Punk wasn't doing that, was he? No, he just had it off and just said it fucking blatantly. This is this is the issue, and it's all it's all based on fucking Colt Cabana. But is it about Colt Cabana? Really? 
Is it, are they using it, using that as some sort of springboard just to just to get at Punk because they know how much it fucking winds him up and know how much he hates Cole Cabana? Because from what I've heard, I can't remember where he heard it, but it was um, his contract was ending, and obviously they'd let Janela go, they'd let Marco Stunt go, and all these other sort of cretins who do all the stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, and apparently the young books went to bat to get him a new contract for but a Ring of Honor contract. So Punk had fuck all to do with it. He was getting a new contract anyway. He was getting a contract when he wasn't going to get a contract, do you know what I mean? And then even if he's gone to Ring of Honor, he's fucking why still would get, Why would you give him a new contract, though? He's, he, he adds nothing. And this is this is the whole point. Like I said last week, if you're if the hill you're going to die on is Colt fucking Cabana, that's <laughs> fucking tragic. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be, it's, it's, it's because, it's got to be because they're stealing their, he's stealing their thunder without trying to steal their thunder. He's just coming here to help a fledgling company draw money. When you know, he fucking didn't need to. Improve either. ratings. Exactly. Because he is he a genuine He doesn't need money, star. does he? He doesn't need money, does he? And he doesn't need the hassle. No. He did it because he wanted to, and he, you know, he he sort of saw something in the company, and it's sort of I don't I I I'm worried now that all that's just going to be just drained out of him, and he's going to be like, well, why would I even bother coming back after this injury? And then you get all these fucking gimps saying, oh god, the worst return to wrestling ever. He's had he's had no title defenses. Look, injuries happen, mate. This is what it is. But he, his return was brilliant for you know. 11 months or whatever it was, 10 months before this whole shit started happening. He got the unlucky injury when he won the world title. That was a shame because he was going to have, I would imagine he was going to have a really good run in the summer with the belt and he, he got unlucky and then, you know, he come back and then all this shit started. But I don't know. I'm, I, I'm really like worried that that's him done now, but at least he sort of had that moment with him back coming back. I'd rather him be done than have to put up with all this bollocks. See, even if I wasn't a CM Punk fan and I was a Amiga fan or whatever, it's a case of my personality is more to come and talk to me, to come and say it to my face, and I'll say it to your bloody face. I can't be doing with all this behind your back, piss poor, you know, chatting shit. And mm. so I'd be more dis- predisposed to err on the side of, you know, Punk anyway, because it's like, guy's just saying how he feels and he's had enough, right? He's had patience, clearly. It's got on his tits and he's just had enough. And they're leaking everything to the press on the sly. He's like, right, well, I'll talk to the press as well, but I'll do it on my fucking terms. Mm. So, yeah. It's not his style. I think, I think, I think we won't hear anything about it for a little while until, until whenever it is that those guys come back. Cause obviously Punk's not going to be back for a minimum six to eight months if he comes back at all. So it's going to be going to go, going to go quiet on it for a little while at least. Do you think, do you think that they're like that with the whispers to the press because, because they're observer readers and they're championed by the observer and that's essentially how Meltzer made his fucking money by getting it like insiders to, you know, tell him shit. Yeah. And they know, they know that from that becomes, from those stories becomes Twitter headlines trending on Twitter, this, that yeah. and the other, you know, that they know what they're doing. They're not thick. You know, they're absolute knobheads for doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's especially in that business where it's it, it's the old school business where it's like if you've got a fucking problem, come talk to me. Whereas they've they've yeah. gone the complete opposite way now, and and that's like Meltzer's got you know a lot to answer for that because he's got these these group of fans that just absolutely worship everything these guys do and and everything he says. Yeah, I mean it's it's pathetic. It really is. It's, it's stuff like that that makes me go, why, you know, it's stuff like that that sort of turns me off wrestling sometimes. Yeah. But then you, know, you see people like MJF, you see people like FTA, you see people like Punk 
free guy, free well, free acts in the business that really grabbed my grabs my attention. And it's just, especially when it happens against someone that you really like, it's just it just frustrates me. And it's like I've had this I've had this discussions with like, oh, that's a good match. Maltz gave it five stars. Well, thank, thanks a lot for that uh, witty sort of endorsement, but. I'm a human with a mind of my own. I can decide whether it's shit or not, in my opinion. It's like hanging off the opinion of one man, and these people just take it as gospel. It's like a cult leader. It's fucking off its head. As an extension of this, there was another cretinous statement from a, a guy me and you I'd both had a lot of time for at one point. Yeah, old um, 90-year-old Bobby Fish. <laughs> no, 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 let's not be nasty. We liked him until about a week ago. No, to be fair, like I was... He seems to have just completely got off the rails recently. I don't know what's happened to him. Because he sort of, you know, like I say, we loved Undisputed Era. He seems to have got into bed with the elite all of a sudden. He's just become a bit of a knob. He's. I think they were always was, mates, though. This is the thing, I think. Well, I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't know of any sort of real interaction between them before. I know, obviously, Adam Cole's got a lot of history with Young Bucks and stuff like that. But, well, they were in Ring um, of Honor together and stuff, weren't they? So Yeah. Well, um... He 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 had he he put his two p in against Punk as well, saying something like, "I I laid down on my shoulders for you, gave you the one two three, you know, on dynamite and all this," which is for stars bollocks because he kicks out a three point one. So that's not that to me. That's that's sort of burying your opponent in a way. He's called him a cunt. He's called him this that and everything else. And he, he was questioning his kicks or something like that. He's just going off on one about Punk. What he said was, I'm working for AEW, they're paying my cheque. You asked me to put my shoulders down for Phil Brooks, I'll go out and do it. Interestingly enough, there was a little whatever in the match we had, and Phil was, after the match, Phil was a cunt. Frankly, as a martial artist, right, let me just stop there a minute, right. He says he's been doing martial arts since he was eight years old, therefore he's a martial artist. I started uh, training football when I was, you know, seven years old. Uh, I'm not a fucking footballer. Have you... uh, have you, you had, had any mixed fight? martial arts fights? You know, I mean, at least fucking Punk has. I'm not yeah. saying he is a mixed martial artist, but at least he, he went and did it. And yes, obviously he got the opportunity to do that because of who he was. Get that. But, you know, Bobby Fishman, seriously. We've we've all done sports and shit when we were kids. I don't class myself as a footballer, do you, Mark? Have you, you had football training when you were a kid, didn't you? Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a professional footballer, though. <laughs> no, By I even say I was a footballer. <laughs> Even amateur, yeah, it's just it's just weird. And then he's kicking off saying he'd nick Kenton's move, which he did to be fair, but you know, gives a shit. <laughs> you're saying you're telling me, Bobby Fish, you don't do any move that someone else hasn't done before you. <laughs> and moves it. get nicked in wrestling all the time, for fuck's sake. Exactly. So, what a complete cretinous statement that was. It's just um, it's just adding to the whole smear, smear campaign in it by that whole lot. They're all just trying to yeah. put the fucker down. It's fucking it's embarrassing. It really is. They probably it asked really him is. to say it because he's not employed by anybody yet at the moment. So that's it. They probably went, so, yeah, go on. Yeah. Without it's bollocks though because he didn't lay down for him. He's talking shit. Just a little uh, add add on to uh, Bobby Fish. He said uh, his exact words were, "Frankly, as a martial artist, I went out and laid my shoulders down for you. You should be grateful that I did that on national TV." If I decided that I wanted to fucking haku your ass, I could have, because you're that little of a threat in my world. Your world is the same world he fucking lives in. It's professional wrestling. 
that is the world you both are in. You don't are not Taku either. He's a real yeah, legit you, hard man. If you're gonna go up to him and break his fucking teeth off with two fingers, I would pay money to see that because I don't think you can do it, mate. <laughs> I mean, you're harder than me. Let's not fuck about. You know, you're not. You're not exactly. You know, nobody goes. Oh, fucking Bobby Fish is legit. You know. Yeah, but it, it, he's fucked himself here because. Is Helmsley going to hire him back after coming out with mad statements like this? He's come, he's 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 done other stuff recently as well. Like he's come out with some really strange comments on like podcasts and stuff. So like he's absolutely done himself over, hasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. There was one last cretinous incident that I wanted to. I've just I've just remembered that happened, and it's I don't even I think it might be an extension of this lot. I'm sure they're in the sort of same PWG circles. It's uh, something I sent you. Uh, from the Mall of America when they try oh, to re- redo Nitro. Oh, and it's shit, uh, my, my, mine and yours, everyone's personal favourite, Orange Cassidy, <laughs> versus a guy I'm not too familiar with called Daddy Effie or something. Effie so that's not one that Moxley had a battery the other week. Very possibly. But then they did this whole, he wanted to hold hands, so then he, he walked the whole ring with him. You know, I always thought that spot was a bit shit anyway. You know, the because uh, you could just yank the fucker off when Taker did it, it was but he only did it for about four seconds. But you could still yank him off, do you know what I mean? It was yeah, you <laughs> yank him off the top rope. <laughs> it's it's like, it's, no, it's that, you, you just remind me of a classic Jim Ross line where someone was against Armour Johnson and he goes, Oh, he just pulled off the big Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's he's what he's what the whole fucking ring with him, and yeah, it was bobbins and just and just shit like that. Just don't, his, don't his, forget his, the thing where he slapped him in the chest and they pretended he was in a submission hold. Oh yeah, he chopped him and then he tried to get to the ropes and he was going to tap and all this. He's One like, of the most oh. pathetic things I've ever seen in the wrestling ring. Like yeah, he's pretty. I know pretty, he's fucking. Yeah. I know he's fucking not. He's not my cup of tea in any way. But he, I've never seen him do anything as daft as that on AEW. That was I tragic. Mean, it's worse than the pockets, isn't it? It's, it's oh, it's worse than the pockets by some distance. Not sure it's worse than the shin kicks, though. They get over them, apparently. <laughs> uh, in that in that room. In that room, like yeah. Joey, Just like Joey Ryan's dick spot. <laughs> which apparently which apparently was something like you couldn't be on PWG if you didn't do the dick spot, apparently. Even if people yeah. refuse to do it. Well, he's, anyway, he's, so... He's just a credit of the highest order, isn't he? Let's be honest. Credit to the week this week is a, a cornucopia of moronity. <laughs> it's uh, Meltzer the Weasel, Alvarez the Weasel, Omega the Weasel, Nick Jackson the Weasel, Matt Jackson the Weasel, Bobby Fish, Bobby Fish, the you know, imitation fucking UFC fighter. Um, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Do you know what I mean? It's all these little snide digs just come out and fucking say it. And everyone's going, oh, the, the Bucks and Omega have got so much dignity. And it's just because they're shitting it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> what dignity? <laughs> At least okay. Punk had the bollocks to come out and voice his grievances mm. instead of just whispering it to fucking Meltzer. And Meltzer and Alvarez are little fucking weasels. I don't know why we expect any different because, you know, they sat there and they said, fuck all. And uh, hopefully if- we, we, can, uh, we can have a break from talking about this lot. Next week, so just steal my fucking head in. They really do. Um, I know, I know. But onto something. Well, there's not not so much a woo watch this week because he's not been completely mental flair. <laughs> but I did see something 
he did. He retweeted a picture of his daughter squeezing her husband's ass and <laughs> her husband squeezing his daughter's ass. Why retweet that? <laughs> Why? It's a good picture. <laughs> Have you seen it? I think so, yeah. I didn't it's know like, he'd retweeted it, though. It's a bit this, weird. This, fella, this fella's got your daughter's ass firmly <laughs> in his grasp, and you're going, like that, yeah, great, great picture. <laughs> great photo. <laughs> I think he filmed their porno as well. <laughs> oh, they've not, they've not made a porno, gee. <laughs> Don't fancy seeing that. Is that why he wears that gimp mask? <laughs> yeah, he thought I might as well kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> That's it. Oh dear. Well, anyway, though, we should move on, shouldn't we, to our our classic yeah. Monday night show? We're we're heading over to WCW Monday Nitro from the second of September, nineteen ninety six. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Choo choo. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's Labor Day. Uh, I'm not really sure what that is, to be honest. Um... No idea. Tony Khan, <laughs> Tony Khan was going on about it the other day, saying we we, we were the first pay per view Labor oh, Day yeah. pay per view. Let's be honest, Tony. They might have tried to usurp you, but no fuckers talking about their products at the moment. So speak, no, he's, he's got the last laugh, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's um, that up. So. Um, as usual, it's Larry and Tony start us off for the first hour. They say they're celebrating two years being live on TNT tonight. So two years since that that night with um, Luger turning up in the Mall of America, wasn't it? That's what it was. Two years. No, what is, no, no, no. It's one year since that. Oh, is it one year? The, the, yeah, I mean, they mean they're going into their second year. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I've got yeah. it confused. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, they're not very clear about it, though. To be fair. No, they're not. To be fair, hence my confusion. So. Uh, they recap the NWO stuff from last week, spray painting the, the broadcast truck and then the DBSC hand signals, you know, the four and the five thing. And then I think Larry actually makes a good point. He hasn't done this for a while. He's saying that, you know, NWO has a defined leader and that's yeah. why they've sort of got a, a clear path of how they want to be. Whereas the NW, uh, where the WCW side are sort of all jostling for position, aren't they? So that it's all a bit chaotic. I thought that was a good point. Really good point to make. Any other thoughts? Like, well, Savage wants to be the leader, but you you sort of, you think Flair would be the leader, de facto leader, because he's like WCW for life, right? Yeah. Near enough, apart from that little, you know, 18 month or whatever. Yeah. He, yeah, he nips over there. Savage wants to be it. Flair probably should be. Flair and Arn, I'd say they were the two, you know, mainstay candidates. But yeah. also the wooden tops, the wooden tops fancy the chances of being, you know, General Custer or whatever, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, they do, especially Sting. <laughs> I think it was a nice, concise little start, though, to be fair. Didn't fuck about too long. They they recapped last week and just sort of got on with it after that. Yeah, they said they had a dandy for us. 
I mean, <laughs> a, a dandy to me is like a foppish, you know, nineteenth century gent like Oscar Wilde. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know a wrestling show was a dandy. So maybe that's just not. It's just not in my lexicon, Mark. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not cool enough to understand that. At least it's not Donnybrook. <laughs> yeah, Pier Six Donnybrook. Fuck you know. <laughs> but we opened it up with um, with a man that we we never complained about seeing on a on a on a Monday Nitro, DDP coming out looking just cool as Christmas, oozing charisma, and he. Um, yeah. But who's his opponent this week, John? Well, Mark. <laughs> Here he is, the Earl of EDM, the Viscount of Vorsprung Dirge Technique. Das Wunderkind, Commons, he bitter and listen to craft work. Venik Vartein Hudson Younger, the heir, the heir to Hasselhoff, German techno twat, Alex Wright. It gets longer every week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like. Um, it's like Paul Heyman's entrance for Brock Lesnar, that. <laughs> it's iconic. <laughs> I don't think I've got the gravitas that, you know, Heyman has, though, in his voice. No, probably not, but you, you, you're certainly getting there. I always wonder if you can add any more to it, but you just, it never stops. <laughs> but it will, it will never stop. <laughs> um, but here he comes, coming down to his classic rave tune. He backs flips into the ring. It's not showing, showing off, off. Is he? He's definitely showing <laughs> off. <laughs> what do you reckon to this one? Because, you know, to be fair, Alex Wright's not the greatest, but he's, he's he's not too bad to watch, is he? And then, obviously, we like a bit of DDP. We do like a bit, a bit of DDP. Nice lock-up. Page takes the arm, works it. Wright does two kip-ups, which was nice. Nice wheel kick and clothesline, by, uh, clothesline outside by Alex Wright. Great bump, as always, by DDP. You know, he's, he's just a great bumping heel. He does a dive, and it looks spontaneous. Look good, who'd that. Thunk, who'd have thunk it? You know what I mean? <laughs> nice uppercuts by right. Nice vaulted splash for two. Patrick's refing, so obviously that gets brought up. Right misses a crossbody, and he's hung on the ropes. And then Page just zones in on the midsection with stomps. Lovely. Tilt a whirl by uh, tilt a whirl slam by Page. They allude to uh, Page and the Guerreros on comms. And uh, Larry says he should have picked on someone with a smaller family because <laughs> there's there is a lot of them. Then Paige is nice and cocky, postures before uh, before the cover. That's why he only gets two. There's a nice sit down powerbomb for two. Right counters with uh, counters the, the diamond cutter uh, and a nice belly to belly by right. There's a bit where he, he give him an uppercut and Paige's gum flew out like a la Kurt Henning. I thought that was fucking just some <laughs> just just a little, little touches, mate. Little touches. <laughs> uh, right, right flips in in the corner and kicks Page, who cutters him out of nowhere for free and gets a big fucking pop. I thought it was a really nice little TV match. Just I what have you to agree. After. Thought it was. I thought it was brilliant. Just what you wanted, and it it didn't it didn't hurt even it didn't hurt Alex Wright either. I know he's obviously a young talent, but they, they at this point they quite like he gets enough offense in. Always gets and, beat though, doesn't he? Yeah, um, he's one of them where he's like they all. They, he's an enhancement guy, isn't he? But that you can see they've got like stock in him at this point because he's he, he features quite a lot. Um, and they do put experience. They put him in with more experienced guys, really, don't they? So that's normally a sign that they're quite into someone where they they try to get him sort of get the rub on you know from someone more experienced. I think he did all right in this match. And again, I know he doesn't really amount to anything, but I can see why they sort of saw potential in him. Yeah, 
and DDP is just class in E, let's be honest. Just it is. Every match he has is just even even when it's just a little five minute like this, little five minute TV opener, it's gonna be you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get enjoyment out of it. And it's just that anticipation of the the diamond cut, how is he gonna hit it this week? And he always tends to find a, a new way to, to hit it and it always looks so innovative. Yeah. You know, this was sort of more this was like very RKO esque, not quite as, you know, elevated, but it was that running sort of diamond cutter and it just cranked the neck down. It always looked so nasty. And then he sent a little message into the camera as well saying, you know, did you see that Chavo? It's, I mean he mentioned Eddie as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that sort of develops as a few because it's interesting, isn't it? The sort of DDP versus that sort of family in a way. Yeah, I think I think we get it. Uh, I think we get the match at uh, Halloween Havoc. Or DDP Eddie. Yeah. You see, I, I I, that's what I'm really looking forward to, if that does happen. I'm looking forward to Halloween Havoc a lot more than I'm, I am Fall Brawl, just after scanning the card a little bit. It looks like some really some really good well, That was stuff, one of their big, big shows, wasn't it? Sort of one of the top three or four big shows. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to go back. There's, there's a Halloween Havoc, I, can't, I think it's from like 92 or 93, with Foley and Abdullah the Butcher and stuff in this like fucking electrified steel cage. Oh, I've heard about that, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to watch that just for comedy effect. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they've got they've got a couple of good stuff coming up, you know, a couple of nice little feuds bubbling away, especially this one. And then um, we cut to the to Gene at ringside with Mr. Nick Patrick again. All right, I thank you very much, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco. I'm here with referee Nick Patrick. Nick, I don't want to belabor the subject of uh, your integrity, but again, even in this match, I couldn't help but notice a little slow on the draw. A little slow on the draw. Well, why don't you watch it back on replay, just like all the other matches, all the other controversy that you have stirred up. You're the man that stirred it up. Now, you say there's controversial calls. If they're that controversial, why am I still here? They've all been reviewed by WCW. I'm still here. Randy Anderson, a couple of weeks ago, he blows a call with Hulk Hogan and uh, Ric Flair. You all over his case? No, you're on my case. You've been on my case awful hard, and I'm sick, and I'm tired of it, Gene Okerlund. You've been spreading lies about me, and I'm here to tell you to your face and to all you people out there, the things that you've been hearing about me are a lie. You're calling me a liar? That's exactly what I'm calling you. That is... I am here to enforce the law. And that's what I'm going to do to the letter of the law. Doesn't matter how big you are or who you are. If you're in the ring with me, you better follow the rules. I think I've just been called a liar. We do. Um, and Gene says he was a little slow there on the count. And Patrick says uh, Gene has stirred up all this controversy. Nobody else has. Which, you know, is probably right. And he says, why has he still got a job if he's, if he's you know, corrupt? Randy Anderson blew the Flair Hogan call, and nobody says now about that, do they? So he, he may. The thing with Nick Patrick, right? He's clearly bent as an iron bob note, but he plays he makes it well. a good point on his promos, yeah. And he doesn't. I think he's quite a good promo. I think he's quite a good promo. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said he's sick inside of it and calls Gene a liar. <laughs> and I just thought it was, it was a good promo again. It was. Uh, do you know what? I, I can't fault him. He's playing. He's playing this well. I think he's. It's probably what he's been waiting for his whole life, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good storyline. To be fair, like there's, it's one of them where it's like the side storyline, but it's always bubbling away, isn't it? You always feel like there's something going to happen with it. Um, it sort of makes sense for him to have a ref in the back pocket, though, doesn't it? If you think, yeah, it that. does. It's really clever. Like, we were talking about, you know, like little bits and little, you know, little things in the storyline and things like that. And I think that's a good. A really good element to it. I don't know whoever came up with it, but it's really good. More importantly, though, that promo was brought to us by Butterfinger Blast. So 
Enjoy yeah, well, that. Like a Butterfinger blast. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty good. We then cut to a break, and again we're with Gene <laughs> straight from the break. It's, um, it's not as egregious as as last week, but you know he he, he does pop up occasionally. Yeah, with one of possibly the most pointless segments we've ever seen on the show. <laughs> yeah. However, it, it actually served a purpose in my eyes for the match after. But we'll get into that after. Yeah, you had the old Colonel Robert Parker and uh, Scary Sherry, Sweet Sherry, whatever she's called in this. And he's got big gifts, Mark. He's got massive gifts for her. He says he's wooing old twinkle eyes. <laughs> and then he then he starts wittering on in his fucking plantation owner drawl, and I couldn't understand the fucking word of it. <laughs> he got some assless chaps and a vest, I think. He got assless chaps and a leather jacket, and then he says she's off to ride John Henry down his farm, who's his prized horse. So, um, you know, less we say about that's that. That's an innuendo if ever I heard one, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> Robert Parker's supposed to have an absolute hog on him as well. <laughs> See? So, so um, I think that's no, uh, a double entendre there. It was, it was, it was utter wank, Mark. It was completely fucking it was, bullshit. It was, as I say, possibly the worst seg, like worst interview segment we've seen, and we've seen a lot of the giant interviews as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, horse shit from a horse cock, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, after that, though, we did um, we come to a world tag team title match again. It's pretty much every week, isn't it? You get a tag titles match. Um, yeah, and all these cretins get to go on the belt. <laughs> just randomers, randomers. Harlem Heat come out, but more importantly, to quote The Rock, finally, finally, the, the quintessential has here. come back. <laughs> the classic ring gear is live on Nitro. I was oh, that was, was the biggest pop of the night for me. I was like, "Yes, come on!" <laughs> Did that get your Chrissy Tarrant or what? Oh, well, not quite, but um, because because that was that was a pop for myself. I can't possibly give it to the to the ta- to the the Chrissy Tarrant award. But the, <laughs> so Harlem Heat are wearing, as you can guess, the classic ring gear, the black with the flames. What put a dampener on it was no entrance. Yeah, it would have been even better, wouldn't it, with with that tune playing as well. Yeah. But especially uh, without them two tits with him as well, I thought this could have been peak Harlem Heat entrance. Not no manager, quintessential gear that tune. Booker and Stevie talking shit into the camera. I know. Uh, I'm not. You know, beggars can't be choosers. We got the ring gear. That's what I've been praying for for weeks. But um, <laughs> I know you have yeah. to see that. But they're coming up against um he pops up randomly, doesn't he? Or Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh um, yeah, wrong with a bit of Valentine. With um, <laughs> it's even with uh, Buddy Valentino. Uh I thought that was his like his Italian cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Valentino. Um who strikes a, a, a resemblance to a to one Dusty Rhodes. Um I had to Pound take shop a, Dusty, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like when he wore the Dusty Rhodes from Wish or whatever, wasn't it? It was one of them jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. Do you? Have, I think you might have done a little bit of research on him. Any ideas? Found fuck all, mate. I'll be honest with you. Really? Just, just a, just a jobber. Right. So just randomly sticking someone with Valentine and just giving him a similar name. Just this weird that. <laughs> they get. A, they've got a new ref though. New ref is Matt in. Curtis. Yeah. Um, Matt Curtis is. Not by name, but I may well know him by any... Uh, his real name's Brian Hildebrand. He's a Cornet's mate. Oh, right, yeah. I know He's you mean. He's the one who dressed up as a turtle and fought Cornet in the ring. Right, yeah, I know you mean. I didn't know that name from him at all, though. 
Larry questions if they've checked him out, done any background checks or anything like that. I thought that was a good little little commentary <laughs> yeah. line. Uh, obviously, with the whole Nick Patrick stuff going on. We cut to the crowd, though, and an old Ted DiBiase's back. He's walking his way down. He is. You know, crowd's going he great. Died. <laughs> he had to do it fresh die job on it, yeah. He's got to do it every couple of days, DiBiase. They always do this during matches, though, don't they? So, like, you just feel like the matches are relevant. <laughs> well, this is, this, is, this is what I mean. Like, you said, like, match-wise, there wasn't much this week because it was just all to fuel NWO angles, which, you know, it does it does need to be done. But, yeah. yeah. It's a big angle, it isn't was, it? It, sort of it, is a, it is a big angle. I mean, it starts off in a... Old Valentine, not Valentino, works over Booker, uh, but obviously the focus is on Ted DiBiase. He misses the sidekick and it's an elbow, and then uh, Valentine does a backbreaker, and then shit Dusty's in. <laughs> but to be fair to him, he has a nice drop kick on him, I'll give him that. <laughs> shit Dusty. Uh, shit Dusty, yeah. Booker needs him in the back. Stevie clotheslines and chokes him. Nice sidekick. Booker hits the sidekick, but the... Uh, Camera, camera angle uh, catches six inches of fucking air between yeah. his foot and Buddy's head. It was I made a proper young bucks job. That was poor, that was it. <laughs> yeah, it's these camera angles. It's that quick. They're trying to do the WWF thing that fucking Kevin yeah. Dunn does, yeah. Tony says um, <laughs> Mike Tanay is part of the WCW hotline scene. Is that a scene, really? Him and Gene on the phone, that's it. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> How big are your tits? <laughs> I'm on a pair phone, love. I'm on a pair phone. My pips, <laughs> my pips, my pips are going. <laughs> that will go down yeah. with like a lead balloon to anyone who's not from the north of England. <laughs> Impressive strength by Stevie, as always. And then Booker does a, a, a Harlem hangover and gets the free, but it's like, it's not the best front flip I've ever seen it was sort of I, I kind bit... of felt like that made it look better though it made it look a bit dirty I don't know if yeah. that's just me very cockeyed wasn't it it was like he like sort of hit it though he managed head. to hit it alright though didn't he he certainly did but it's like it's like a front flip into a leg drop in it so I'm assuming if you're gonna if you're gonna pull your leg out at the last minute it's gonna sort of send you off to the side somewhat because you you know your legs aren't tucked so you've mm. not got like complete balance I thought it was pretty poor for a Harlem Heat match yeah, it wasn't great. I always find it so weird when they just put these just random blokes together against them. It's like there's n- no one in their right mind thinks they're ever going to beat Harlem Heat. Do you know what I mean? They're already That's established true. at this point as the tag tag champions. They don't need to be, you know, playing against fucking job teams. Just give them a competitive match once in a while. It just seems to be shitty TV every time, doesn't it? As you say, Harlem Heat retain. And then Gene's back again, ringside with them. All right, Tony Alaria, once again, I thank you very much. You're with me right now, WCW Tag Team Champions, Harlem Heat, Stevie Ray, and Booker T. Gentlemen, right around the corner, Fall Brawl and the Nasty Boys. Yeah, you know, get the Nasty Boys ready. I'm sick and tired of them two fat, Bill drinking suckers running out here sticking their nose in my business. Harlem Heat is here for one thing, that's defend these titles. I don't care who it is. We ended careers, if you know what I mean. Now, can you dig it, sucker? Right on, brother. See, Nasty Boys, it goes like this. We finished you, suckers, a long time ago. I don't know what gave you the courage, what gave you a dose to want to come out here and take me and my brother. What sucker, you can go. And then this sort of classic Harlem Heat just sort of sucker this, sucker that. Stevie Ray says he's, you know, 
sick of those uh, sick of those fat suckers, the nasty boys. And then Booker sort of echoes the same sentiment, saying he doesn't know what they're thinking, wanting a piece of Harlan Heat again. And then they get absolutely nailed from behind by the by the said nasty boys. And it's sort of I, I actually really like this bit. And yeah, it was quite it was actually there was some serious heat, wasn't there? That's was the thing. You know, nasty boys run down, they're absolutely nailing them. Brawl on the outside, Stevie Race you know, gets nailed into the ste- the uh, the steel steps, and then um, Booker gets a, a spike pile driver for his troubles in the ring. It wasn't a bad interview segment. It was certainly a lot better than the um, the previous one with uh, Sherry and Colonel Parker. And I don't know if it's sort of the whole interview segment was to sort of get them away from Harlem Heat. You know, I'm not sure if that was the case. I'm hoping so anyway, because in what world do the Harlem Heat need managers? They just don't, do they? They've got the personalities. No, and this is why I like this is why I liked this interview segment because it showed the, that they them two were cutting a good promo, and obviously the running, they were, it was like no music, blindsided. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And everyone just it's like you can't do a running these days because every fucker plays the music first. This yeah. is great, and I mean I'm not a fan of the nasty boys, but fair play, they uh, they really uh, they really went for it, and I didn't understand why they took him in the ring at first. No, keep outside. Shit out of him, yeah. Well, obviously, he's, he's, he put Stevie into the steps and then, yeah, the pile driver. So you'd think he'd be off TV for a bit. But They've got a match at the pay-per-view, aren't they? Well, this is it, yeah. <laughs> he, he might be off next week, you never know. We'll see, we'll see. Um, the crowd popped like fuck for it as well. Yeah, big time. But then we get to a match that, you know, even in the fledgling career of Chris Jericho, I was really excited to watch, actually. Dean Malenko against Chris Jericho. Uh, Freshly debuted last week, didn't he? Mike today's joined us on commentary for this one, so you'll be happy. Uh, Lovely. <laughs> apparently, it's the first time they've faced off in the ring. I, I'm not sure if that's true, I don't know, or whether that was just in WCW. I'm trying to think. They might have been in ECW together, but I'm not 100%. Maybe not. I just thought this was a, a really decent match, and it's sort of... It, it, it was similar to a match that we'd sort of had a couple of months ago, but... I thought it was actually a little bit better. Any sort of how do you want to, how do you feel about this one? I really enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, I thought Dean come out looking business. Jer- Jericho comes out in his uh, in his two thousand and twenty two gear, <laughs> like a lion heart. But he's chewed that tune. I don't know why. You love everything that about it. Well, yeah, everything about it says I should hate it, but I really like it, and I don't know why. Just really nice stuff, like lock up waist lock, and then uh, Jericho drops him. Some really nice mat work reversals. He puts on a hammer lock on Dean and works it as well, kneeing him in the back. Wrist lock by Dean and the Northern Lights by Jericho. Puts Dean in a headlock. And it's just a nice opening exchange. And it's a cold match, obviously. It's nowhere. Yeah. Obviously, we, we see him later down the line where they're in a you know, proper feud, which obviously will elevate the matches, in my opinion. And then he uh, and then does a nice sort of in, inverted insegori. Yeah. Uh, do you know what Je- Jeff Hardy sort of started doing? Yeah, uh, sort of early two thousands, and then a brainbuster by Dean for two. Bit of a shame because you know it's a lovely brainbuster though, wasn't yeah, it? He, he caught him a good one with that. Dean Dean gets hit with kicks and a chin lock and head scissors, and he's in the head scissors for a while. And I understand why he did it because DBOC get gets up and leaves, and yeah. so all the focus is on him. Starts using the ropes and uh, old Jezza powers up and uh, get an electric chairs him. And a butterfly suplex for two. And Jericho was really selling well at this point. 
Mm. The abdomen, abdominal stretch uh, by Dean. Uses ropes again. And then Jericho gets a hip toss hope spot and he's thrown into the buckle. Springboard bulldog for two by Dean was lovely. Really yeah. enjoyed that. A big cross body and they're both out. And there's a big top rope cross body to Dean outside. And again, it looks spontaneous. spontaneous. Looks, yeah. There's no stood there, you know, organizing it and getting everyone in line to catch some fucker. It's that just wild. How, how much better does it make an outside dive look like that? 100 times better. Like this, the, the, no one can get behind someone who's taking thirty seconds to set a move up. Surely, I just can't get my head around that. Like, I can't because if you've not, if you're not telegraph that, then you're a moron. Exactly. Yeah, like you said though, it was just I thought it was just really good stuff and absolute star making sort of performance for Jericho. I thought. Uh, I think it's. I think it's definitely got him on 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 the first rung of the ladder or like elevated him. It is. It does a really nice missile drop kick as well for two, and then Malenko. Reverses the tombstone attempt and hits one of his own for two. Right, that was a bit that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm. That's a, that's a three, yeah. mate. Is that just saying? Excuse me, Undertaker. Adds <laughs> only adds only a two. <laughs> then he gets two more two counts. He just keeps trying to pin him. Jericho hits a lovely German into a bridge for two. Nice wheel kick by Jezza. Uh, reverses the German attempt by Dean into a roll up for three. Uh, I thought it was a really good TV match. Except for the tombstone bit, but it was the only thing that I had a gripe with. Um, like I said, I can't wait to see them with a with an actual feud behind them. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, now you mentioned that sort of surprise win for Joker, that brings me to uh, my pop of the week, sponsored by Chris Tarrant. The pop of the week goes to Jericho's big win. Huge crowd reaction to that, and. You know the boys in the uh, in the front row were loving it, especially with Jericho. Yeah, they were loving it. Yeah, so that uh, that gets the the Tarrant Pop of the week. If you want to hashtag it, hashtag Tarrant Pop. Uh, but you've got to do another one, Mark, because we don't want to give you that. <laughs> we don't want to give you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a really good match, and like you said, you know. We'll, we maybe we maybe see better matches when there's sort of more weight behind them in terms of a feud or anything like that. But maybe this is the early settings of the feud. I don't know. I, I, obviously, I don't. I don't remember. I haven't watched it, so I'm not sure. But um, I've not watched it like in real time, kind of thing. I've you, you know you've seen clips. You see clips of it. I, I probably saw more of it when I was younger, but I just can't remember it off the top of my head, sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's weird because like you know we've we've said a few times. I'm not a massive fan of what Jericho's doing these days, but there was 27 years or whatever where I was, a, you know, 25 years or whatever where I was a big fan of him, you know. Yeah. And it is quite nice to see him in this sort of youthful exuberance. It's quite odd to see him as like a uber baby face, but I sort of it sort of works with me. I don't know. I just sort of really got into this match. No, I enjoy. I enjoy this. I enjoy this Jericho. I enjoy the WWF Jericho. It's just these last couple of years. Ever since he did that thing with Omega in Japan, I just think he's sort of like, right, these are the guys I need to get in with. These are the guys I need to sort of impress and, you know, yeah. get in with Meltzer. I don't know if he's been in with Meltzer for ages, but he's he's very much a guy that cares what people think about him. Yeah. I Especially mean, the I, people who quote-unquote have cachet in the business. Well, yeah, that's it. But I just, I thought it was really good. And I like I said before, I touched on it, I thought it was like a sort of, it's it's it was similar in the way that like Ray became almost like an instant sort of name after coming in with Dean, and that's such credit to Malenko, I think, because he's yeah. just like 
professional as fuck. He's not there. As, he's not an ego at all. I mean, he, he doesn't mind having getting beat, and it, no. for the benefit of a younger talent, especially you know Rey Mysterio and, and and Jericho in this case, I'm sure he'll do it with others as well. As, well, Benoit as well. To be fair, they had a corker, didn't they? At the pay per view, the other a couple of pay per views ago, a couple of sort of announcements that came on the back of this match, which one of them slightly disappointed me. They said that it's going to be Ray versus. Correct me if I'm wrong. Super Callow, fragilistic, expialidocious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not in any. I'm not familiar with him at all. But I was a little bit gutted because I thought it was going to be Ray and Dean. They'd sort of been slowly putting little building blocks in for that, especially when Dean like watched his match the other week. I think that's so a, a slow bit... burner. Or maybe, maybe is it is it Dean and Ray at Halloween Havoc? I could. Is that possibly? Is that... I think. I think. I think they're just going to feed him like a load of luchadors. He's going to retain probably. And then, you know, Dean will... I mean, I don't know if he'll beat him, but it'll be the big big rematch, won't it? Because that's that like yeah. underlying feud, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they also announced Jericho versus Benoit at Fall Brawl as well, mm. which is, you know, whether it's going to be something akin to their other matches later on. But, I mean, it's got the potential to be good, hasn't it? Can't imagine it being shite. Let's just say even that. Yeah, even if it's just a five-minute jobby, like, you know you're going to have a bit of quality on there, in there, aren't you? But again, that's a cold match unless unless next week. See, they're putting they're putting Benoit in with Jericho, and it will be a cold match because Benoit's whole Nitro sort of thing is awesome, dealt with wooden tops or NWO in it. So it's like again, yes, yeah, random a, a, one, isn't it? We can only we can only judge cold matches on the end ring. Do you know what I mean? We can't judge it on you know. There's no there's no layer to it if you know what I mean. So not unless you melt sir. Because you can get five star no matter what. Oh, that's it. But this this was a cold match. It was a nice little cold match. The, the tombstone thing was a bit, meh. but you know, you know, can look past it if it's the only thing that's in there. Like when FTR do it, you know, you can look past it. But when you're kicking out of everything that should finish you off, that's when I get issues with it. But so what else did we have? We had a Mysterio Super Calo pack, package, and did we have a have a fall brawl advert as well? I think so. Yeah, I mean, there was a little. Like you said, little package of Ray and Super Calo, sort of putting them both over as you know, Luke, you know, exciting luchadors and stuff like that. And then, like you said, I think there was a little tiny four brawl promo, just sort of a, a little tank pulling up or something. Conspicuous <laughs> um, by its absence this week, uh, Old Glacier. I know that's they, they they were quite heavy on him last week as well. That's one maybe maybe they're sort of just cooling it, just sort of. And then they're going to do the big debut. We'll have to see. Um, see, there's there's a Tarrant pop. There's that. We don't want to give you that. <laughs> In Glacier. <laughs> and then we get to our next match, though. A man we've not seen since potentially our first viewing, I think. Brad Armstrong. <laughs> He's been nowhere to be seen for possibly four or five months of TV. I can't remember how long it's been. <laughs> but Not on Nitro, no. No. He had a match against Malenko, didn't he, I think? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Oh no, he didn't. He had a hard work. Was it hard work, by Bobby Walker? Oh yeah, it might have been actually. Yeah, <laughs> one of them. He might have had. I'm sure he had a match with Malenko on a pay per view potentially. Oh, I could be did. getting him confused. But it's Brad Armstrong versus the former world heavyweight champion, the Giant. Former? Sorry, the world heavyweight champion in his, in exact, his eyes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, nice. It was nice to see Brad, though. Nice to see a bit yeah. of Brad. Nice, absolute, nice American tune as well. He's absolute uber yank fuck, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> and that he had awful clacks and music as well. <laughs> just, 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 just nothing. Drive time. Then, uh, here comes the former champ with his manager, Cunt and Cunter. 
<laughs> I just put in my notes, I can't see it going long. It went longer than I thought, actually. I thought it was going to be a choke slam night, good night. But there's a couple of bits and pieces in there. Brad Armstrong hits a nice couple of drop drop kicks, to be fair. He's got a nice drop kick on him. You've got He's to give got him that. Absolute top tier drop kick on him, Brad Armstrong. Really Definitely. nice. And again, it was one of the matches where sort of the angle sort of played in the middle of it again. So it's like you, you sort of don't know what was happening at a certain point. They were on about the, the limo pulling up at the arena. We see the limo pulling up. It's sort of backing into the arena. Nothing really comes from that at that point. At this point, Giant's driving his big boot into Armstrong in the corners. Small yeah. little flurry by Armstrong as he sort of yanks him down on the, the ropes. But then he gets cut off with a, with a big old choke slam for a free. Nothing much to report other than that, I would guess, unless you had anything else to, to say on that one. Just some just some nice little sort of small man, big man stuff. Like, he tries to waistlock the Giant, which I thought was a bit bit simple. But obviously, the, this limo rocks up halfway through. And I liked it when he was sort of crawling through, like he was evading the spine buster from the Giant, and then he tried a sunset flip attempt, but then the Giant just gripped him. He's, I just think the Giant is a, a lot better with smaller guys when you put him in with a Loch Ness yeah, or a Hogan or whoever. Exactly, yeah. you can bump off him. And um, I thought it was pretty decent for a Giant match, but like Brad Armstrong made it decent, if you know what I mean. Like yeah, you're not going to get anything good out of the Giant against fucking Loch Ness, are you? Like, where you watch, you know, that's just... Just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> uh, he's one of Ariel Helwani's top British wrestlers. Him, <laughs> yeah. But then we we cut to a break with the with the lim- the image of the limo parked up outside, and then we get one of the the uh, the old NWO paid for announcements, which was by far the worst one so far, and that was for one reason in particular. It was just Hogan. <laughs> the following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. The whole world is a stage now. Man, we put up there. We're styling, man. We don't have to sneak around anymore. We don't have to hide in the shadows. The NWO. Way to go, guys. We are the champions of the world. We've got the NWO belt. (laughs) We left the giant land. And now the whole WCW is going to fall at our feet. We hit a home run after I beat that big nasty giant to the WCW belt and turned it into our belt, you know, the NWO belt. He was crying. And then a couple days later, I beat the so-called dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> he was crying too. The WCW, the world crybaby wrestlers, doesn't work anymore. In war games with the WCW's finest, the so-called establishment of the WCW. In the cage with us, brother, Sting will be stung. Woo! All my little stingers just doesn't work anymore. Luger will be hung. Flair won't even be there. Woo! In styling and profiling. You shouldn't brag about that. And Arn won't be Arn anymore, brother. Because the NWO will take care of all the NWO business on that day. You should kind of change with the times, man. But when we get you in the cage, brothers, 
We're gonna bring you up to speed. Just like my two friends brought me up to speed. I know what works now. You gotta take what you want. You gotta bond together for business reasons only. <laughs> Sting, Luger, Arn, and Flair. The way you guys bonded, the way you guys made a deal, it was touching. <laughs> it made me cry a little bit. But it was real. Real weak. I mean, to see you guys out there appeasing each other, talking about what you'd been through together, about the old days in the WCW. Well, you know what? Times have changed. What you gonna do in war games when the NWO destroys you? Anything less would be civilized. <laughs> The preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Right. I thought it was probably the best Hogan bit since his turn. Like, get... without, without them two. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't his worst, but I still think of the entire four or five of these we've seen, it was it, it didn't have that sort of cool element to it, you know, when you get with National Hall sometimes. No, he was cool and he has been, but there is a story to that. Do you know the bit where he kicks the globe? Yeah. According to Sullivan, that was Nash and Hall's idea to get him to loosen up a bit. And after he did that, he stopped doing the uh, brother kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, there was, a less, of that, that. There was less of that, wasn't there? Yeah, there's a little bit, but you know, it wasn't. It wasn't literally all. It was like it usually is. He says some interesting stuff, like the whole world's a stage. He left a giant laying, and WCW will fall at their feet. Uh, the giant was crying. Flair was crying. World crybaby wrestling is what he calls <laughs> WCW. Um, he says war games is uh, them versus the establishment, which at the end of the day is the whole the whole deal, isn't it? It's like they're the anti-establishment. Uh, yeah. And then he says, and then he starts off strong with this and and falls massively because he goes, Sting will be stung, Luger will be hung, and then he says, Flair won't be there, which makes no sense, and Arn won't be Arn anymore. It's like well, he started off well with the rhyming, and then and then it's <laughs> completely. Uh, he couldn't find anything to ride with the other two, so he just sort of... Uh, <laughs> Anne was born in a barn, brother. Flair <laughs> has shit blonde hair. That's what I don't... You came and up with like you... 30 seconds. That's, that was good. <laughs> and then he says, you've got to change with the times, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, mate, how, how long is it taking you to change? <laughs> and he's still struggling um, with the change. <laughs> and he says his two friends showed him what, what it was to change, and he knows what works now. Well, I'll tell you what, don't work. Hulk Hogan, we've got the money, brother. <laughs> uh, he says you take, you can, you just take what you want. The bonding and the deal that the four horsemen and uh, Sting and Luger have made was touching. He said it, but it was really weak. And he says uh, his new catchphrase: "Anything else, anything less, would be too civilized." Not so that's sure. Twice in two weeks. Like I said, it's probably the best bit he's done on his own since since his promo in the ring at Marshall Beach. That, but you can tell though that Nash and Hall are like producing it in the background, can't you? One or like Sullivan, Sullivan, and like going, "Look, Hulk, let's just let's just calm it down a little bit here, mate." <laughs> I know you're doing it on your own. <laughs> well, that was why they brought the, like the, the Globe Beach ball in, and they were sort of like pissing about with it, and then. It was on the floor and he just booted it and then he started to relax, according to Sullivan. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And then we cut straight into hour two and they fucking get it right. I know, for once. It's not during a match. 
I could not believe it. Could not believe it. I was. You get. You get brain. Eric and uh, Mike Tanay. Is he going to be joining us on every second hour now, Mike? From what I can. God, I, I hope so. He's wonderful. <laughs> you love him, don't you? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, ninety six caliber. Yeah, ninety six caliber. Bobby was showing a lot of defiance against the NWO, wasn't he? Until they quite come sh- near him, yeah. Yeah, quite strong words from Bobby. And then, like it's another show, we we get recapped of last week's action, even though they showed us, what, half an hour ago? But they treated like two shows. That like, first hour was almost like a pre-show, isn't it? Yeah, it's odd. <laughs> it's really strange. And then... We got um this is like this is like must be the standard go to if anyone's going against the giant, just stick him in with this Ron Stud just to show that they can beat a tall guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's just what it is. Macho comes out again, he, he looks fucking awesome until he takes the hat off. Yeah. <laughs> but you know you were mentioning me to the other week how he used to be the Yeti and he was like criticized because he had really short arms. I never noticed it, it the first time. Say it properly. Yeti <laughs> The Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, on, sorry, I never noticed it first time, but then, like, as soon as you mentioned it, it's sort of like a, a glass breaking moment. I can't, I couldn't not look at it. Then he does have ridiculously short arms for a tall Pretty guy. Size, yeah, it's Ex- crazy. Like Sean Walton brings it up in um, in one of them kayfabe commentaries, like most botched moments or worst moments or something, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, Ron Reese, yeah, T Rex arms." <laughs> Jordan Pickford. What <laughs> <laughs> <Not> Chris Buckets? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's Ramsdale. <laughs> uh, Pickford as well, to be fair. <laughs> going, just, um, going back to, just going back to him before Savage comes down. They're still questioning DiBiase's fingers. It's pretty obvious it's, at this point, isn't it? I know Jeez. what it is, but they're still questioning it. It's like fuck's sake. It was like last week, wasn't it? Where like Eric had his like his epiphany. He was like, "Oh my god, I've just figured it out." <laughs> it's like everyone's already got there, Eric, mate. Don't worry about it. You're like four hours behind everyone, Bishop. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think it's pretty well known what the crack is with DiBiase at this point, isn't it? Especially even later on in the show as well. Um, do you not think? Uh, do you not think Ron Studd has a bit of a Albert slash Tensai look to him with the hairy chest, the bald head, and a very manicured, meticulous like chin strap beard? Yeah, I can see, I can see where you're coming from. Does have elements of a. Of Tensai or uh, Albert or whatever, he, whatever they called him these days. What's he called? Something Matt Bloom, is he? Matt Bloom, that's it, yeah. It's one of them, wasn't it, where it was just like, again, it was one of their matches that sort of furthered the NWO stuff. Limo cuts the limo, NWO coming out of it, fresh in the new gimmick t shirts. Yeah, Don't like the cameraman, though, did he? No, no. Hogan screaming at him, get the hell out of here and all this. Then we cut back to Macho in in the ring again. He throws throws old big Ron through the through the ropes. Goes up top, double axe handle to the back. That's Eric it. Bischoff called it something strange. He he, he co- completely made a balls up of the call. I can't remember what he called it. Like a, I, don't, I don't know. At least he called didn't say what a maneuver. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, at least he didn't say that. Macho lobs him back in, scoop slam, top rope, hits the classic elbow for free. Anything else to comment on that? I liked how he sold his back when he when he gave him a slam. I was surprised he got him up first time. Usually it sort of takes about three or four attempts to get a block like that up, you know, kayfabe. And then that elbow was absolutely peach, but he nearly lost his balance, which was quite funny. I thought it was quite inoffensive. 
you know, Savage beats a big man quick, which visually makes him able to beat the giant in the audience's eyes kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it was what it was, you know. And then we get uh, our good mate Gene with uh, with old Savage and uh, the bald spot is on full fucking show here, man. Really is. <laughs> Take it, Gino. All right, Eric, I thank you very much. Congratulations, Mike. Today, now part of the broadcast team here on Nitro, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Let me set up, if I may, what's coming up in this man's life in the next month and a half. I just happened to be out at the MGM Grand this past week with the Macho Man, Randy Savage. You seem very focused. Halloween Havoc is going to happen out there on the 27th of October. However, you're going to be facing Hulk Hogan at that event, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. A man we know about the, the past between you and him. But Randy Savage, before that, you've got a gigantic task coming up on the 15th of this month against the seven foot four giant. A man that, well, you think did not carry his load because he's the man that lost the title to Hollywood Hogan, the WCW heavyweight title. First of all, I wish Halloween Havoc was tonight. I think these people would concur with that line of thinking. Because I guarantee to you and to all the zillions of people around the world and the universe that I am going to beat up Hollywood Hulk Hogan and take away everything that he wants. Because that makes me happy. Randy Savage, you know there are those that are talking right now behind closed doors about your mental state. Some people are saying that you are living on the edge right now, that you're not too mentally stable. I'm living on the edge. And if anybody out here is not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. Giant! I made a deal with you. You made a deal with me. You broke your promise. You couldn't handle the pressure. Bottom line, I take over starting now. You are meat. And I'm guaranteeing victory against the Giant and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I like the pressure on me. I operate better that way. Should I be calling Las Vegas? Should I be calling one of the sports books out there? Can I put money down? Do you guarantee victory? Las Vegas is my new home. Both men. Both men will melt when the heat of the macho man brings them all the way down oh yeah thank you very much ladies and gentlemen he's predicting victory not only against hollywood hogan at halloween havoc but also the giant at ball brawl gentlemen let's go back to you he wants hogan now tonight and he guarantees he'll beat up hogan He's living on the edge, because if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room, which I thought was a fucking great line. And then he makes, uh, he's made he made a deal with the Giant, and the Giant broke his promise. And he likes this kind of pressure. He works better under this pressure, and he guarantees that he will beat both men. One at uh, Fall Brawl, one at Halloween Havoc. I thought it was a pretty decent, if, if not a little bit long, Savage promo, because it was like three minutes long. But still, you know, I thought it was decent. You, you can always sort of rely on Savage to come out with some... Little gem. I thought what it was you corker, corker yeah. of a promo from Savage. Some of the some of the bits you touched on there, just you know, he, 
so defiant in the fact that you know I'm going to beat Hogan no matter what. I'm going to take everything he wants and all this, and you know, and and I love that. Like you said, that line. You know, he says he's living on the edge. And if you're not, you'd take it up to a dream. I thought that was a fucking mint line. Really good. And he's not been, some of his promos have been a bit off last sort of few shows we've watched, but this was a return to form, definitely. Classic Savage. Yeah, and I just thought it it sort of built two matches within three minutes for me. Yeah. Um, Which is a real testament to him as a guy. He can sort of put, get some excitement going for two consecutive matches he's going to have. So. He knows, what, he knows what to do, doesn't he? He just, just knows oh, what to do. Yeah, of course he does. He's been there, done it, hasn't he? So, but yeah, just classic Savage. I just really enjoyed that bit. Uh, when he, when he really get him going, he's mint, isn't he? So quick yeah, as well. Class. Absolute class really act. Is. But something that's not a fucking class act <laughs> is, is our next match. Steiner Brothers, who we love, versus the old wooden tops, who we could do without, to be fair. Um, <laughs> however... Big ovation. Huge ovation. Yeah, big ovation, but this was this was an odd one for me. So they get a pop, not a, not a Tarrant pop, but they get a pop, and they also get pyro. And I don't know if you noticed it, but Luger shit it and look behind him. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's like a, a a bit of nuance alluding to the NWO from Luger. Maybe but if it was. I, I think you're giving him too much credit there, though, aren't you? To be fair, yeah, this is a man that does not understand the word nuance. Probably not. Um, <laughs> Big barking pop for the boys, as always. Love it. That was that was on the verge of Tarrant <laughs> pop, but it was it wasn't. It's not a, conden- a conventional pop, is it? So it, I sort no. of had to had to disqualify it. We 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 have very defined lines for the Tarrant pop. It's got to be inside the box. <laughs> Can't we have any dog dog chanting? <laughs> no, he has to get VAR on it. The horseman go. It cuts to the horseman going running to the limo. No one's there, and then we have a break. And then we have that Hogwild VHS ad again. And it says, bikers and wrestling go together like engines and oil. Nope. No, they don't. We've watched it. We have watched it. We know it's shit. <laughs> Fucking dreadful. Fuck all happens, basically. And Nick Patrick rings the bell. Luger gets shoved into him, doesn't he? He collides with, with Patrick. Yep. He's, at first, I, I didn't see what he was doing at first. And then you could see him sort of, you know, doing the, the, the signal yeah. for the bell. And I was like, what the fuck? DQ on the wooden tops, assaulting the referee. You can't be doing that. All, all of them are absolutely fuming, though, aren't they? Absolutely fuming. Steiner's even refusing to get their arms raised. They're not having that. I thought I thought it was setting up an NWO running, to be fair, because obviously there's no one in the limo. They must be in the building. It, yeah, but what it does what it does is sets up something later on in the show, doesn't it? So they, they go off does. and chase. They go off and chase Nick Patrick in the back, and then we sort of don't hear about it for a little while. So you think it's sort of just going to get brushed off? Um, no, it adds layers to the Patrick angle as well, which is you know good. Yeah, absolutely. But then we get our main event: an eight-man tag, Dungeon of Doom, which consisted of Sullivan, Big Bubba, and the Faces of Fear. And you got the the full unit of the Hup, the Four Horsemen: Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, um, Mongo, and Benoit, with the Devilish, obviously. All three. Um, yeah, all three. Of them. Yeah, all three of them. Sort of got the memo similar. Deborah's slightly too dinner dinner ready for me. Yeah. Um, she looks like she's going fucking ambassador's party with Ferrero Rocher, <laughs> doesn't she? <laughs> uh, Flair's absolutely giddy as out when he coming down. I don't know if he's just excited to have all four of his boys around him. I don't know if it was and the that. women. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, he's, had, he's, had a, he's probably had a couple of fucking lines before he's come out, hasn't he? <laughs> as a rule, eight mans are usually the absolute shits. Mm-hmm. But 
I looked at it like this. There's seven decent workers in there. Yeah. Not The eighth is Mongo, yeah. Anyway. and uh, But at least three of them are top tier. Yeah. And exactly. Arm Flair and Benoit. So hopefully it'll be all right. I mean, Meng and Barber of... would work because I wouldn't say they were top tier, though. No. It's one of them long-standing rivalries that sort of just flips in and out, doesn't it, on TV? You don't hear about yeah. it some weeks and then it's back again. So I guess it's one they can sort of go back to every so often. But this, but... Is, this is the thing. This is what they're alluding to. It's like there's too many inter-WCW rivalries going on, whereas the... Instead of all focusing against the NWO, you still you still got your little snippy bollocks like the giant. Well, at the time, the giant versus Savage and whatnot, yeah. um, and Dungeon Horseman. Big Bubba Rogers still looks like a QAnon conspiracy lunatic. <laughs> at least he doesn't have his WCW crew gear on this week. Yeah, or his uh, his Carson City dollars in his fucking sock or whatever it was against Centre. It was like Flair still got his uh, Glazers out robe on, which was nice. <laughs> Getting behind the movement again. That's it. Eric, Eric Bischoff alludes to issues backstage. Sullivan just fucking work, just knocked Mongo down with a really odd looking forearms. Did you see him? He, he, he's got those weird little, like scrappy do runs, hasn't he? Sullivan. Yeah, it's, it's odd. He's an odd person to watch, but I, I have seen him do good stuff. I have. Promise you. He does his double stomp, which is which they were putting over like fuck last week, right? And Mongo barely sells it, and like <laughs> woodenly shoulder charges him like proper Luger Sting levels of wooden. And he botch. This is how fuck it, right? I love Mongo oh, as a personality, gosh. but he, he tries to climb the ropes and botches climbing the fucking ropes. <laughs> he botched it twice today. They did like a flip. Yeah. And- <laughs> he goes up backwards and then he goes, oh no, he goes back down and he goes up forwards. And I'm just like, you, you, you can't even climb. How the <laughs> fuck were you a top level athlete? You got the coordination <laughs> of a fucking <laughs> one year old. <laughs> Bubba's in, he guillotines Mongo. Doesn't sell that either. Tommy drops like a Bubba. Not part of the professional wrestling world, does he? Selling. No, not really. No. <laughs> he, stands, he stands on Bubba's fingers. But you'll have a job getting him to sell that, mate, because he trapped him in a car door once and didn't sell that at all because <laughs> the fan because he didn't want to fucking expose the business because he was supposed to be a big bad son of a bitch and he was in front of a lot of fans and he didn't sell it and he was fucking crying like behind his sunglasses. So fair fucks to him for doing that. But um Benoit's in, Barb's in, vicious and stiff, as you expect. Yeah. Lovely German to Barb. Kev pushes Benoit on top rope. And Barb takes over, but Benoit fights him off and hits a diving headbutt. Still uncomfortable. Mm. We're told that there's police backstage. This was um, possibly one of the funniest segments ever, this bit. <laughs> I was in absolute hysterics watching this bit. I'm sorry to take over, but we um, <laughs> we cut backstage. And I'd almost forgotten about the wooden tops chasing after Nick Patrick. I don't know where they've been chasing him. So have because like, after... it's like Benny Hill, wasn't it? It's running around the fucking arena. <laughs> so they chased him out. Final time. <laughs> they chased him out like the back, like the sort of main exit of like where the cars go in. I think so you see Ted DiBiase jump in the limo, so that sort of already confirms what we knew. He's he's in cahoots with the NWO. They throw, they throw. I think it was a, was it a cinder block? Was it like That's a rock funny. or something? Just put the fucking where are they from my end. They just bricked the fucking police, fucking. Car's window and robbed a police car. I thought, <laughs> get in. This is the most on board I can get with him. I'm thinking, are you from fucking Stratford, you lot? <laughs> that bit where they nicked the police car was so fucking funny. 
I just sat there thinking, what am I watching here? Watching fucking Coronation Street and fucking EastEnders or something. What the fuck? Pair of, pair of absolute hoodlums. And then um, that I just thought it was comedy gold. That is the most over them two have ever been with me. And, I was uh, in hysterics watching that bit. It's an absolute maverick move because they're, they're, they're obviously going 80 because they need to get somewhere fast. And... Um, <laughs> And it's just it's just the most unwooden top thing I've ever seen. I know, a bit of personality. <laughs> Absolute bit of fire, bit of anger. And then we cut back and flares in, he's strutting. Do, do you do you love that strut, Mark? I'm in love with the strut. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might be in love with the strut. Don't be wiggling your ass now. That's that's an in joke that no fucker will get. Some people might get the partridge jokes, but they won't get the uh our, our, our old our old area manager jokes. Really. <laughs> that's just for me and you, that one. That's just, yeah, that's just to pop us. And maybe Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, uh, so, um, Meng and Flair are in, and uh, Flair is clearly fucking apprehensive, as you should be. Yeah. Um, they go for a test of strength, and Meng has him. Like, he's obviously infinitely stronger than Flair. And uh, Flair low blows him. Silly, silly boy. And then... Low, and then low, get, well, that's what I mean. He gets on a proper tear and it was like watching some sort of like ballet. It was like <laughs> choreographed. So, so he's like, he's low blow Meng and then he low blows Sullivan. And then while he's there, he just kicks his leg out and low blows Barbarian. I mean, the Sullivan one was not as silly, but don't do it to Barber Meng, mate. If you've actually clocked their, their knackers... By even by accident, you're in for a you get severe word. talking to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, word in your shell, like. <laughs> I thought that bit so, was hilarious. There's some really funny, funny stuff in this match. <laughs> it was, I quite, I was enjoying myself. And then the ref's running around, so the ref didn't see it, because he's trying to fucking restore order. And then, Arnim, did you see Arnim Benoit just chuckling on the apron? <laughs> when he stood here. So that's great, big, big smiles, love it. And then there's a big strut and a big woo. I just thought that would to me that's just quintessential flair. Yeah, like, it was it was brilliant. And it comes to the cops outside, and he's on the blower because his car's been nicked. <laughs> fucking hell! This whole segment was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just comedy, comedy, comedy. Sat there going, "Someone's nicked my car." <laughs> well, you had a, an half decent match in the ring as well. It was good. So then the old uh, endomorphic cyborg enforcement unit rocks up with Meng. Does a nice gut shot and a DDT, corker of a DDT. Yeah. Uh, the rest distracted. So Barb works over Arn. He puts him in the tree of woe for old Kev to come in and give him a nice gut shot. The deadly uh, Bubba, tree of woe. The absolute deadly, mate. It's like it's like a it's like a shotgun blast. <laughs> Bubba drops knees to Arn and cutting the ring off. So they're actually doing some nice tag team stuff now. Meng's in. Oh, Mengaruni. He completely isolates uh, Arn with uh, Meng and Barb working him over uh, sort of near the ropes. And then they have a fucking break. Mm. And then Arn gets the hot tag to Benoit to a nice big pop. Not a Tarrant, but, you know, still pretty decent. Flair distracts the ref and uh, Sullivan takes over. Then Meng and Barb are in and a monster powerbomb on Benoit. Like a really, it was... Big impact. He's lamped it. Yeah, because it's uncomfortable when you see that. Because, you know, he's whacked his head on the mat as well. Yeah. It's just... You know, obviously, you know what happens, and it's just it is uncomfortable. Flair, he, Flair comes and he gets sent out. Obviously, Barb throws Benoit into the rail, and uh, Flair grabs a chair, a plastic fucking school assembly chair. 
<laughs> so it don't fold up or anything. It's not gimmick, it's, that is it? No, it was fucked. Benoit builds a hot tag with well, with him and Bubba down, uh, but Bubba tags in Kev first and works over Benoit. Big chops. Benoit and Meng, big mid-air collision where they both go for a crossbody and both are down. Meng holds Benoit's foot and tags Bubba in, which was lovely. Benoit's selling really well and Arn comes in and spine busters Bubba. Barb drops his head on Benoit and then Meng's back in. So it's just literally just trying to you know isolate Benoit. He gets a hot tag finally for a big pop. Flair cleans up, works Sullivan's uh, leg into a figure four. Then everyone's in, and then they all sort of spill outside. Well, uh, Flair's got the old figure four on uh, Mini Hogan. Woman pulls Flair's arms, and uh, Kev's shoulders are down for free. Yeah. What did you reckon after my uh, comprehensive <laughs> talking through? Of it? Comprehensive. Do you want me to add a bit of colour to it? Um... Go, for it. Go for it, Jesse. <laughs> this was this was a match that I sort of broke into two parts because I thought the the first part was like an episode of bloody. Little Britain or something, it was just hilarious. <laughs> like just little racist. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I say Little Britain, that's a really bad excuse, like really bad one to use. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like Vic, a sketch. Vic and Bob. Vic, Vic and, and Bob, Bob or something, yeah, or Harry Enfield or whatever. It was just like, I was just in hysterics watching all of it. Like, you've got the bit in the back with, with Sting and, and, and uh, Luger and Nick in the car. I, I, was in, I was pissing myself watching that. It was just ridiculous. And then you've got Flair just going out so you apoplectic, just <laughs> low blows galore. Everyone's getting it struck, <laughs> woos, the classic stuff. And then the second top. part of the match was a fucking quality, like, psychology piece for, like, the whole yeah. match. Like, they actually made a four- and eight-man tag decent, especially with, you know, that whole sort of quite lengthy segment with Benoit, but it wasn't too long because obviously they were building the building the building, but they, they cut him off well. It wasn't like, it wasn't like in, like, other matches where it's like, they build like a shit weak tag and it just sort of no one really gives a fuck. It was like they're built to a really big hot tag. And I just thought it was really good. Like you said, Benoit sold really well. And and he would you would, wouldn't you? Especially with especially Meng and Barb just sort of going to town That's on well you. Um, and and Big Bubba to be fair. You know, he's quite a big he's a big guy, isn't he? So he you know, you are gonna struggle to get away from him. I thought it was I just like I say, it was like there was two elements of the match, and I really enjoyed both of them. Like the comedic, like the comedic first part, and then this second bit that was like a, a really good. Somehow made an eight man tag decent, which is rare, very very rare with me. As we've said, you know, I'm not a massive fan of these multi man tag matches. That's what and, I thought. I mean, I was I was shocked, and I was like, but if anyone can make an eight man decent, you've got like seven guys in there who are pretty. You've got three like world class workers, and you've got Mengen Barber who are decent, Sullivan. We've not seen it much, but he is decent. And Bubba's a decent big man. And then obviously you've got fucking Mongo. Even Mongo in that first bit, that that bit with the botch, that was comedy gold as well. That was just like, I enjoyed it's that like bit had, as well. It's like he had two fucking left feet. It's just baffling. Yeah, I, I, athlete. I just thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun. And it and it had elements that anyone... I, I, I would beg anyone to stick that on and not get some out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like There was there was a lot of fun to Agreed. be added. Um, Agreed that it's usually usually an absolute clusterfuck and a mess, but you could actually keep up with what was going on. And yeah, I mean the fir- the first bit was a little clustery. There was a, there was sort of people diving in, but it, I didn't mind it as much because it was sort of it was really fun. I, I don't know. Yeah. I normally like if this was like any other any other like you remember they had that shitty eight man with like just random jobbers the other week with the Dungeon of yep. Doom, and it like that was shit. Like everyone was piling in. 
but it wasn't there was no there was no personality to anyone in the ring so there was no characters no. it was no, like this this had characters and like you said good workers for the most part and mongo <laughs> baby but i thought it was fun really fun uh, there was a little i don't know if it, i don't know if i'd misinterpret there was like little dissension between benoit and was it was it liz or was i can't i couldn't tell who it was at the time woman was it woman which um, is always uh, uncomfortable yeah, because I don't know if is there still like that whole like Sullivan like bubbling away stuff like they've sort of alluded to a yeah. couple of times on TV it's, stuff like it's, that. It's, that's another thing that's like an overarching sort of story that's you know like still going on. It's a yeah. whole dungeon horseman thing. It's not gone away, has it? So it's like no, that's been there no, sort of since day one, really, hasn't it? Almost. It's no, yeah, because there's been no definitive conclusion, and you've got to give him credit, Sullivan as a booker, because certain times when something bigger comes up, they tend to sort of a lot of pl- promotions, to, excuse me, tends to sort of Just brush it over it. everything else, yeah, and bury it, and it's like, oh no, no, remember. But yeah, he's he's kept he's kept certain little things going. The flare savage thing has stopped a that little bit. Seems like it's but, cooled a bit now, I think, hasn't it? Which which was annoying because they, they ended up having it like. Like third from last on a nitro, like this blow off. You could have had that on pay per view, couldn't you? Easily. Yeah. That's a headline because we know Hogan has to fucking go on last, right? But yeah, you could have had it semi main or something. Then so they're always chaotic, but there was some logic and good stuff in it. There really was. Mm. Uh, and then the old outsiders pop up and just fucking go for everybody. Hogan's yeah. down, Heenan fucks off. Hogan clocks the ref, the giant's down, and I put, ah, this is his turn, this is where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I put, I bet you're buzzing, Mark, ruining the NWO for you. <laughs> oh, choke slams his uh, compadres in the dungeon, Mengen Barb, silly boy. He's the fifth man, and then it starts getting put, it works because it got legit heat again, shit thrown in the ring. Savage comes down with a chair, he clocks Giant Hall and Nash quite timidly, to be fair, like really weekly he misses hogan and then a balding brawl ensues <laughs> nash sort of nash breaks it up <laughs> that's it nash sort of breaks up and i'm thinking no other fuckers coming down there's no steiners even fucking duggan who's supposed to be uber babyface guy not yeah. coming down it's like it's like they've sort of like everyone else is just sort of like underneath, but it's like these like twelve guys or so who are involved in the whole NWO stuff, even like the Dungeon of Doom stuff. Like they're the only ones that seem to sort of come down to defend one another, don't they? So it's like they've sort of limited it to like twelve to fourteen guys or whatever. Which is weird. It makes no sense. I know it doesn't. It. I suppose. I suppose it. it, They're just sort of not having underneath guys defend it because it just sort of. I guess it wouldn't add as much if like. I'm trying to think who if so if Charbo came running down, he'd just be like, "All right, <laughs> do you know what I mean?" Like, yeah, but you could buy that. Like, thirty of them could take these four fuckers. It's it's just them getting like. There's always it's either less of them. There's never like it's never like four on four or three on three. It's like there's like fucking nine guys there, and they're beating nine guys up, and then and the giants turn in the grand scheme of it makes no fucking sense because the whole point was it was a WWF invasion, quote unquote. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the giant has nothing to do with the WWF. So yeah, Hogan, Hogan, chair shot explains it ever so slightly when they get on the commentary booth in a bit, though. A little bit, yeah, but still not for me. But it wasn't, it wasn't Sullivan's idea. This was Bischoff's idea, according to Sullivan, because he wanted to keep it as ex WWF guys. Dibiase made sense as the a benefactor. They wanted, uh, they wanted Walkman in. You said they wanted Bulldog, didn't they? Well. Bulldog was supposed to be the fourth man, but he couldn't get out of his contract. Was that, um, was that legit? That's sort of... Apparently so, yeah. And then they wanted uh, Waltman as well. Get but eventually. he couldn't get out of his contract at the, at the time. Yeah, he was supposed to be the fourth man. 
Hogan hits uh, Savage with a chair thrice, and then choke gets choked slammed by the giant, and then Arn and Mongo get nailed, and they spray a big yellow fucking streak down Savage's back, which makes no sense because well, this your yellow means you, you're a coward, but you know Savage is like the one fucking lunatic who's not. You know what I mean? He, he just goes mad for it, and then they uh, once again all have a mooch down to the commentary booth. And professional wrestling, NWO style. We shook up the world, baby. Is there any question now? Who is the most powerful man in professional wrestling? Is there any question now? What is the most powerful organization in professional wrestling? We got a hold of the giant. We straighten this head out, and now there's not four, there's not five. Mr. DiBiase, ha, 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 ha. Tell him, big man, I got a phone call while I was sitting home at my modest house. Ted DiBiase called me, and he says, I want to talk to you about business. Can you fly to Florida? I said, yes, I can, because I am about business. I walked into a 25,000 square foot home, the home of Hulk Hogan. There was that. Spit on it for me. Spit on it. When I walked into this house, there wasn't one Harley Davidson in the garage. There were 20 Harley Davidsons. There wasn't one Mercedes. There was five Mercedes. A couple of Vipers. I walked around this big home and got dizzy. See you later, boys. Come on, big man. Anything less, come on. Now before I was so rudely interrupted, the point I was getting to, as I was dizzy walking around this mansion, a 25,000 square foot mansion. Brother, time I turned around, everything I showed you, you can have. You wanted a part in Arnold Schwarzenegger's new movie, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, got it for you. And the bottom line is, brother, (laughs) just to quote somebody, a stupid little man, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, it's the best thing going today. The N-W-O. Man. They explain how they're the most powerful and uh, and the Giant's all about business. Mm. They all spit on the Nitro sign and then Giant goes on about fucking seven Harley Davidsons and fucking Five 20 Mercedes or some shit. And then the Dungeon and the Horseman attack back and brawl with plastic chairs. <laughs> and then... Uh, Four of them beat nine of them. And Giant carries on about Hogan's gaff, and then he de- destroys the comms booth. It's an odd end. It, it was good to begin with, and then I, I didn't really like the commentary bit. Because I think, I, think I think the Giant one, when you break it down, it maybe doesn't make much sense, but it was a fucking unexpected turn at the time. Yeah, I mean, was, I, knew it it, I knew it happened, because I've seen it before on clips or what have you. But I don't think anyone was expecting that. You know, and you could tell by the reaction pelting again by fucking yeah, drinks yeah. rubbish in the crowd like serious heat like doing a great job of you know building them up as such a massive group and such threat. a threat 
And yeah, obviously the the, you know, the spray paint stuff and that's obviously sort of synonymous with them at the moment. And I like the whole bits in the ring. I like the sort of assault in the ring. Like they were taking about one, by, like two, like in twos, mate, and not like wasn't like in the ring. It wasn't like six v four at any point, or seven v four. It was like four of them taken out two at a time, and then they sort of dealt with others. Yeah. So I didn't mind that as much. But then again, like you said earlier, with that brawl later on, that was a bit shit. Just but a bit. I just, just the giant on the on the fucking commentary was shocking, man. I just need to hear more from yeah. Nash and Hall. Just don't, like, I haven't heard enough from him in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, they become a bit background player, aren't they? Yeah, it's frustrating, really. I mean, the giant, what he, like he was going on, what's he going on about six Harleys, you know, all these Mercedes, and, and you know, he, he's saying that they sort of explained it like bed, that Ted DiBiase was like, this is what you could have, this is, you know, you, you want yeah. this? It's all about money, my friend, and all this, and, you know, it's not about honour and all this. And it was sort of, I get that makes sense. But When's the giant of, ever been about fucking honour, though? Well, apparently he was in the last few weeks, wasn't he, when he was, like, defiant against the NWO and he was yeah. a little hulkster and all this, he was saying. Uh, but also Andre the Giant's son, so, you know. Do you think that was sort of why they, why they did that stuff where it was like, I was a little hulkster and all this? Do you think that was them sort of giving little dropping hints that he sort of still looks up to him or... Yeah, but that made no sense because his whole gimmick a year from when he debuted the year before was he was the son of Andre the fucking giant. So it's like, yeah. why, would, why would you be a Hulkamaniac if your fucking dad's fighting him at the biggest pay-per-view of all time at the time? Yeah, it's a good point. And it's just, the, the giant that in of, general makes that, no sense. No, no. Was that specifically mentioned on TV, though, that he was, like, related to, like, or was it just yeah. sort of, like, the loop, yeah, was it? Yeah, gimmick. He was the son of Andre. He always says, my dad and all this, yeah. <laughs> That's weird, that, isn't it? fucking mental. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Um, I didn't think they'd be able to do that with sort of like his even mention Andre the Giant. I don't think Vince had the rights to it. Right. There's know. so many there's so many Andre the Giant shirts that come out now that aren't anything to do with the WWE. I think he he owned his name and his rights and or, stuff. Or or his family did after he died, do you know what I mean? I think and they've licensed it to whoever kind of thing. So right. Because they, yeah, they, right. there's that big obey campaign that, that uh clothing label obey and they were like like the eyes of Andre the Giant and that was like right. the logo for a bit. But yeah, all in all I, I thought I thought the NWO angles were good. I thought there was a couple of really good matches on there, maybe three really good matches on there. But certain little bits you gripe with, and yeah. that bit when um, that bit when like Giant and Hogan were trying to like synchronize what they were saying, they weren't quite there. That was, oh, was that was a bit awkward that bit. And then Giant like slips off the commentary booth as well, just makes him look like a complete tit. <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah, the bit the bit of the commentary booth was a bit shit because they sort of did it last week anyway. But. I, you don't need to do it twice, do you? No. Um, and Much better last nice. week, anyway. Yeah, it was well better last week. <laughs> and then Hogan was like, I'll get you a role in the new Arnold Schwarzenegger film and all this. And it was just like, <laughs> what the fuck are you going on about, mate? <laughs> 1996, I'm trying to think what the, the latest Schwarzenegger, he'd just done True Lies. So, <laughs> like, fuck no. Cop or something. I think that was earlier than that. True Lies was the one with Jamie Lee Curtis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she, where she looked smoking in that dress. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm not a massive Arnie fan, but it'll have been something shite, no doubt. <laughs> so so that, that brings us to the end of another Nitro, though. I know it wasn't as good as last week, I don't think, but it was pretty decent. Still no, legitimate heat there. It's it's stuff that you don't see these days, and it's just nice to see like a crowd actually giving a fuck instead of yeah. just sort of going, "This is awesome." Do you know what I mean? Like they're invested yeah. in it, like emotionally. 
What was your match of the night, bud? Match tonight. Uh, for me, give it to Malenko and Jericho, just because I got a lot. Of, I got. I really got into it. And as I said before, like early Jericho, uh, I enjoy watching him. So I, I give it to that one. And a nice little surprise finish as well. Yeah, I. I, I it could have gone to the main event. To be fair, it could have even got a DDP and Alex Wright. It was a nice little opener, that you know. But mm. I had. I thought those those two were good, Alex Wright and DDP and uh, Jericho and Dean, but. I had to get to the main event, and it's the first time I'll ever, first and last time probably I'll ever give an eight man a fucking match of the night. <laughs> but I just really enjoyed it, and it, it was all under fourteen minutes. But it was great. Yeah, it was, it was. It could have easily have gone to that. I just you know, it, it was a toss of a coin, really. I just think Jer- just the whole Jericho feel good factor was was a nice little touch for me. Who's your MVP? <sighs> it's tough, actually. Um, MVP. I'm trying to. I'm trying to sort of. I think I think I might. This this is rare. This will go to these boys, but uh, I have to give it to the wooden tops for possibly the most laugh out loud moment <laughs> in the yeah. entire run through. Nicking that cop car, I was literally crying for about ten minutes. Like it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, could, I could definitely get on board with that, but I mean, I'm gonna go. I'd, I'd go against every, everything I believe in if I if I pick the wooden tops. So I'm gonna go for because uh, we saw absolute quintessential Ric Flair. I'm going to give it Ric Flair. Right, okay. Fair enough, just yeah. For, just for loving that strut. <laughs> <laughs> Disco Doug and Hart Award. It's got to be the giant. It's got to be. Yeah. He just, there was too much in there, wasn't there? He Ship botched promo. his promo, slipped over on his ass. And made just... the NWO shitter. Yeah, so there's a, there's a hat trick of, of reasons for him, and he, he's getting it this week, I'm afraid. Um, and you ban it in the night, Mark. If you pick anybody else other than the absolute slick back, slick back horror show of Brad Armstrong's mullet, then we'll we'll have we'll have problems. <laughs> I'm going for Brad Armstrong. Love him, but fuck me, that's a shocker. Yeah, I think you're right. To be fair, just 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 the abs- the absurdity of it. <laughs> it's, it's the obscenity of it. I mean, it's 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 the most horror. It's like it's a horror show. It's an absolute horror show. <laughs> It really is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not great, is it, in any era, that? So, another one in the bag. We are marching forward onto the war games at Fall Brawl. Next week's the go-home show, mate. Mm. Yeah, well, we're getting so there, we're aren't gonna, we? Uh, we're going to see some more developments as we get before war games. Do you reckon there's going to be a sixth man, a seventh man? Because we've had two in two weeks now, so... Maybe. It's going to keep... I, I, I wonder if this is the sort of time where they just go, fuck it, fuck let's it. just whack yeah. everyone in there, and you're just going to get one a week, and it's just going to become convoluted. I hope not. Absolutely. I hope we. I hope it waits a little bit. I'm hoping there's some repercussions on the wooden tops for nicking that poor cop's car. We need to see something um, there. I don't, want to get that. I don't want to see that just getting buried. I hope they get stung under and thrown in jail. <laughs> Disgusting. I thought they were upstanding citizens, but clearly not. <laughs> So next week, we've got the 9th of September, 1996, the go-home show to Fall Brawl. And I think this could be a decent one because if they, if they do everything right, it's going to make us absolutely red hot for Fall Brawl the week after, isn't it? So, I mean, mm. even, even even these lot can't cock, cock this up, can they? We'll have to see. <laughs> hopefully hopefully next, uh, next week as well, we'll have a, a bit more variety on the old cretinometer. And uh, it won't be... As AEW elite base, because I'll be honest with you, I'm bored of fucking talking about him now. Yep, me too. <laughs> have we uh, have we got any further business, Marcos? 
No, nothing, nothing else to report. Okay, well, don't forget to interact with us on Twitter. We're seeing some really great numbers. We've got some really, really nice uh, little sort of click, as they say, of uh, <laughs> listeners that we're, uh, we really appreciate. We really appreciate the comments we get and uh, and interactions we get. We are at, at, at Adjective Pod on Twitter. So, um, yeah, shout out, give us a shout out, message, whatever. If you want to ask a question, don't hesitate. Really nice uh Words from uh, Scottish Juggalo this morning saying how he much he enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed it. Not a few word. Enjoyed the uh, the last episode. So yeah, if there's no further business, I'll say those infamous two words. Dickie Slater. See you later. The preceding podcast gimmick. It was paid for by. Look at the adjective.